1: I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. I've never really been an early Christmas shopper, but this year, procrastination might not actually work in my favor. That's because buying stuff right now is really hard. Things are also more expensive, and it's all thanks to what is known as the supply chain crisis. You might have heard about it, seen the long lines of cargo ships waiting in the bay this past summer, But maybe you're like me and you're still a little confused about what the heck is going on. It's not just holiday shoppers feeling the brunt of supply chain issues. Chronicle food reporter Janelle Bicker is here to discuss how Bay Area restaurant owners are impacted, which means some of your favorite menu items, that cookie from your favorite bakery or that banh mi sandwich you expect to order, is going to be more expensive or it might not look the way it usually does. Later, Carolyn Said, who covers business for The Chronicle, will explain all the kinks in the global supply chain, why they're happening, the effect on small business owners, and when this problem might come to an end. First, let's start with you, Janelle. Thanks for joining me on Fifth and Mission. Thank you. So it may not be a surprise to a lot of people to hear that restaurants are having to raise their prices, especially since we know that they've struggled throughout the pandemic. But just how bad has it gotten lately?
2: Well, I think a lot of restaurants are resistant still to raising prices, and you'll encounter plenty that aren't doing it at all. But it feels like a dire moment to a lot of restaurants and a lot of owners I've spoken to have just felt like they're in this impossible position where they're still recovering from the pandemic and now they are dealing with these supply chain issues where sometimes their ingredients they just can't get and sometimes they can get them but they're twice or three times as expensive as they used to be and it Sounds like it's just been very sudden in these past couple of months, um, which is what makes it so scary for people.
1: Do we know why in recent months it's gotten particularly worse? Is it the supply chain issues like you just mentioned?
2: It's hard to paint a really like blanket picture on this. It seems like with every ingredient, there's a slightly different story about why it's costing more. There's a local flour company that a lot of people here use and their prices have gone up quite a bit, but they said it was more about uh, drought conditions and just smaller yields. In other cases, it might be uh, local produce that goes up and it's local. There's no supply chain issue there, but they can't hire enough staff and they don't have drivers and just their costs are going up to compete in this labor market. So it's really a lot of different issues.
1: So it's sort of case by case. And I know you spoke to several Bay Area restaurant owners about these cost increases. Can you highlight some of these local restaurants that we love? And what are some examples of menu items that have seen these jumps that you're describing?
2: The restaurant that first Got me to think about this um, was Dinosaurs, this banh mi restaurant with a few locations in San Francisco. And they posted a sign outside their door one day just saying, look, these are the price increases we're dealing with. We just have to raise prices. We're sorry. And it was very upfront, very frank. Um, and an example there is their special Bon Me, which has three different kinds of pork, it used to be $8.50, and then they just raised it to ten seventy-five. I talked to Greenhouse, they're a super popular small home-based bakery in Oakland. That baker had a ham and cheese croissant that was six. The cost of ham got so much she realized it just she had to raise it. um. So now that's seven. So as you're hearing, these aren't like the most dramatic increases. And one common thing I kept hearing from these chefs and restaurant owners is we can't raise prices to the level that we want to because people won't buy it. This baker, for example, told me like, who's going to buy a cookie for four or five dollars? It has to be a three dollar cookie. That's just what people are used to paying. Um, I talked to someone else who runs a bunch of seafood restaurants along Fisherman's Wharf. Multiple of those restaurants used to carry lobster rolls, but the cost of getting Maine lobster is so much now. He said that to make a profit or maybe even just to break even, he would have had to charge like 45 or 50 dollars for a lobster roll so who's going to spend 50 dollars on a sandwich in addition to getting rid of popular items like their lobster rolls um they're changing the ingredients and others so crab is really expensive right now they didn't want to get rid of their really popular crab Alfredo pasta dish. So now a bunch of the crab has been replaced with shrimp and it's a crab and mm. shrimp Alfredo dish and they could keep it at $29. So they're sort of just like these mental blocks that have to be overcome, which is challenging when even really basic ingredients are going up like eggs or Mm -hmm. canola oil. And what are the main reasons that folks are
1: pointing to uh, for these cost increases? I know we've talked about restaurant staffing shortages before on fifth emission, supply chain issues is something we keep hearing
2: about. Is it a mixture of all these different factors? What is sort of the main culprit? I think it's a mixture of all of these factors that we've been talking about for the past several months. Right. Really. Yeah. Um, And the staffing shortage is sort of playing a role, I think, in ways people don't expect Because the labor market is so tight, a lot of businesses, not just restaurants, but farms, vendors, suppliers, they need to compete. So they need to pay their people more. That means they need to charge more for their services.
1: You talked about, you know, restaurant owners having to be creative and adaptable. What are other things that they're doing to uh, remain aware of these constant price fluctuations? This is the Bay Area. After all, I understand some of them are using some technology and tools to stay on top of this fluctuation.
2: Yeah, the owners of Blue Stem in San Francisco told me about something called Extra Chef. That's sort of like this data tool to organize spreadsheets and things that restaurants have been using for a long time. And then there's also Toast, which is um, like a point of sale system. You've probably ordered food from there from a restaurant. But more recently, those two companies have been working together so that restaurants are able to see the menu prices of their items on toast and see the cost of everything on Extra Chef and more easily compare them. And it changes every day. So at Bluestem, they told me they're changing some prices of menu items literally every day. And it's it's so minor that most customers would never notice, but that way they're just always on top of it. Um, and I think that's definitely something we could be seeing more of. You described the situation
1: as dire at the beginning of this conversation. Our business owners, I mean, some of them are trying to be adaptable, use tools to stay on top of it. But how serious does this look for them in the long run? This can't be something that's sustainable for them, you know, going forward for many
2: months. And this doesn't seem to be something that's going to go away anytime soon. I was asking that question to a lot of these restaurant owners, and I think they were very hopeful that supply chain issues might But they all seem to agree that the staffing issue is not going to go away. I talked to the owner of Pomela, this Israeli restaurant in Oakland, for quite a bit. And she was trying to tackle this at so many different angles. She was talking about how takeout containers have gotten so much more expensive. And she's trying to figure out this way to charge people who order takeout more than people who order for here, which maybe sounds simple. But in terms of the back-end technology isn't so simple, at least with what they have. With these price fluctuations, I think what she said verbatim was it's like nothing she's ever seen before and that she doesn't know she can survive unless she keeps making these price increases. Hoping customers will understand seems to be a big part of this. I
1: mean, we did see during the pandemic so much support go out to small businesses and restaurants. What do you think owners want customers to understand in this moment and how can we support them?
2: I think what they want customers to understand is that they aren't swimming in money and choosing to raise prices is difficult. It's not just like, oh, you know what? I want to make more of a profit. Like it's a very complicated equation to raise those prices. And I think a lot of restaurants in the Bay Area get some flack for seeming too expensive already, especially restaurants that are maybe more casual, but still use really great ingredients. So I think just understanding that there's a lot more that goes into the food you order than just the ingredients. And now the ingredients are also costing a lot more. Janelle, thanks so much for helping us understand what
1: we might experience when we walk into our favorite restaurants right now. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Supply chain issues aren't limited to restaurants. It is being felt across industries. After a quick break, Chronicle business reporter Carolyn Saeed will explain what's behind this problem and when we might see a solution. Carolyn Saeed, we just heard about the challenges restaurant owners are facing. So let's zoom out a bit. In your recent reporting, you followed two different industries, granola and toy makers, who have faced similar challenges. Supply chain news may have gone over the heads of some. So can you explain what exactly is going on? There
0: is so much going on
1: at so many points in this complex global way
0: that goods get to us. The first and biggest thing was during the pandemic everybody did a lot more shopping for goods rather than services. You couldn't go to a movie, you couldn't go to your gym. So people bought stuff, a lot of stuff. So suddenly there was an overwhelming demand for stuff. The second thing, also a pandemic issue, is a lot of um, factories in Asia and around the world had labor shutdowns because people were out with COVID or because before vaccines, they had to shut a whole factory down if too many people had COVID there. That slowed a lot of things down. Quite a bit. And then there were some sort of longstanding issues that predate the pandemic that but got exacerbated, which is shortages of shipping containers, rail cars, and trucks, and warehouse space. And also many companies use this method called just in time production, which is theoretically a great idea. They only make what they need when they need it. So they don't stockpile stuff. But it turns out that if you don't stockpile stuff when there's a snag in the supply chain, you don't have any stuff stockpiled to to make up for that snag. So all those things have come together, and I'm sorry for the cliche, but they have created a perfect storm where it's just now really hard to get stuff from point A to point B. And our whole worldwide commerce system is dependent on getting stuff from point A to point B. Very little stuff is is locally sourced of the goods that we use.
1: So it seems like this is, like you described, a perfect storm, a confluence of different factors. Have we seen anything like this? Or is this just the timing of the pandemic and all these other challenges meeting in the same moment?
0: Well, all the supply chain experts are saying we haven't seen anything like this. Even during like the Great Depression, things didn't get this far a kilter. It it is an unusual circumstance and that might continue
1: to be one for a while. And so all of these challenges are highlighting how clogged the global supply chain has gotten, which you just described. And especially since products are sourced from different components and ingredients in different parts of the world, you know, and and there's this problem of a clog of cargo ships are labor shortages to blame here? And why are those happening?
0: As as we talked about earlier, there, there were labor shortages during the height of the pandemic where factories actually had to shut down Then there's the national trend called the Great Resignation, where a lot of people aren't going back to their jobs. There's a huge labor shortages among truck drivers. Truck drivers' average age is in well into the 50s, and young people are not taking up truck driving as a profession. And truck drivers literally are the last mile. Even once the stuff gets here, sometimes it gets loaded on a train, but more often it gets loaded on a truck. And then even if it gets loaded on a train, from the train it still has to get trucked somewhere, and there are not enough truck drivers.
1: And you know, over the summer I remember. Seeing cargo ships lined up in the bay, and that doesn't seem to be as big of a problem anymore. What's the difference between the port here in our backyard versus something like in Los Angeles? What's the difference?
0: Well, there's a huge difference. Um, Los Angeles and Long Beach account for 66% of all the West Coast cargo coming in and going out. Oakland, along with San Francisco, uh, Richmond, Sacramento and a bunch of other little ports only account for 13%. So we're minuscule in the grand scheme of things. Oakland create a labor agreement that they've hired 500 more sort of lower level workers, but that allows the, the next workers on the next rung to go up and up and up. So Oakland did address this somewhat by adding more labor. And I've heard people say, well, you know, if Oakland's in good shape and LA Long Beach are in bad shape, why don't they just send more ships here? But there are some big reasons why they can't do that. The biggest one is infrastructure, We do have rail here, but we don't have direct rail to the Midwest. A lot of this stuff that's coming to California ports is not just for California. It's for the whole rest of the country. And they need a cheap and quick way to get it to the Midwest. And that is rail. L.A. has direct rail connections to the Midwest. And Oakland does not have nearly the same kind of infrastructure that L.A. has in place already.
1: But nevertheless, Bay Area businesses are feeling the pressure of this supply chain issues. And I wonder if you could highlight some of the business owners you spoke to to about how this is affecting and impacting their line of business?
0: Sure. Well, I'll, I'll start with the granola company because I thought that was a fun one in a nutshell, as it were. So granola is a pretty simple product. It doesn't even have electronic components. It mainly is consisting of agricultural Inputs plus the bags and the boxes that they go in. And yet, this granola maker who makes all organic granola is running into a huge number of of supply chain issues. Some of hers are caused by another factor that we didn't talk about, which is global warming. Global warming is having a huge effect on agriculture. We have a drought in California, as we all know, but there's a drought across the whole western half of the United States. And crop yields were down significantly, in some cases as much as 50%. So that means there were, were less crops and also bigger companies can elbow out smaller companies if there's a limited supply. So these little players like that who have to compete with big companies are, are kind of at a loss. but They can't muscle their way in. They don't have the money to pay to get the stuff for themselves. You mentioned this, something very important earlier, which is that most products are sourced from all over the world. Even with this granola maker, again, she only has five or six ingredients in most of her bags of granola, but they come from five or six different countries.
1: So you, you've mentioned that small business owners are really feeling the crunch right now. Are they particularly hit harder than big corporations? And what are they doing to compensate for this, this huge issue right now?
0: Um, I would say they are hit harder, as as we just talked about. They can't compete on on money, you know. The, and then the big companies, you know, Target, Home Depot, Walmart, they literally chartered their own cargo ships to bring goods here from China because they wanted to make sure that they were well stocked for the holidays. Obviously, a little company has nowhere near the resources to do that. The price of shipping a container went up something like tenfold for a little company that doesn't have tremendous resources. That that's a huge hit. And then sometimes you couldn't even get on a ship unless you were willing to pay these really exorbitant costs, which little companies couldn't compete with. The one thing that little companies do have in their favor, though, is because they're small, they can be nimble. They don't need as much stuff. So they can go to different places to try to get it. Many, many companies, both big and small, did see this coming you know, earlier this year, and they placed their orders early for the holiday season. And, you know, they ordered stuff in February and they might just be getting it now, but at least they're getting it. You know, if they had waited to order in July and August, which is when they typically would have ordered, there's no way it would have arrived in
1: time. So I guess the big question now is a lot of people are wondering, since everyone's affected here, both business owners feeling the crunch in the increase of costs of things and consumers seeing the costs and the products they want to buy, how long do we expect these issues to be around? Will these soaring costs be permanent for a while can we expect that that is the 64 million or billion or trillion dollar question
0: indeed it is true that the shipping costs that went to be about 10 times their usual amount are now down to maybe four or five times their usual amount so that's one small ray of hope i'm hearing a lot of people saying this is going to continue at least until 2022 if not 2023 the climate change issues are ongoing, and those, as we talked about, affect agricultural goods, and, and they can affect some other goods, too, in terms of energy sources. So I don't have any great hope that prices will come down from these high heights, but the, the hope would be that they won't go any higher. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: You talked to a variety of different small business owners, um, you know, for your reporting. And I, I wonder, was there something that they shared with you about what they hope consumers can understand about this moment as they're feeling this this particular crunch?
0: A lot of them mentioned that consumers are very well aware of the supply chain crisis because we in the media have been beating the drum over it. And that so consumers knew to start their holiday shopping early, for instance. The toy stores said consumers, you know, they had huge months in, in um, November, which is usually early for them in even October, and that consumers were patient and understanding if they didn't have every little thing that they wanted. The other thing with consumers, we in America are so used to getting you know, the exact specific thing we want. If you want to buy a doll for your child, you can definitely buy a doll for your child. If you want a really specific doll, you might have trouble finding that. But if you let go of your attachment to, you know, an exact specific item, you probably can find it. And if you do want that exact specific item, you can find it, but you might pay a lot more. Sure.
1: It seems like adjusting our consumer expectations is going to be a a big part of adapting to this moment. Carolyn, this has been such a complicated issue to understand. I appreciate you helping us understand it. Thank you for chatting with me. Thanks so much. Carolyn Said is a business reporter at The Chronicle. You can find her stories on the supply chain crisis at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. You can also find coverage from food reporter Janelle Bicker there, too. Thanks to Taya Francesca-Price for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening.